Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. It's a Monday. I like that open, huh? You like all the opens. I know I do. That was a terrible open, and I know because I made it. Said Tyler and Danny. Uh, Jared, not sure if he's off yet, but he will be at the Super Bowl this he's week. He's here. So I saw him here, like walking five the halls. minutes ago. Walking the halls. He's in the building. We will his head. unfortunately probably hear from him more throughout the week because yes. he's going to be in Phoenix. He's going to try to throw us interviews and taped stuff and all kinds of he's stuff. He's going to be the most stressed person that anybody has ever met for the next four days. Yes, down there? Yeah. Oh yeah, they'll be lo- the people will be watching him saying, "There's that guy again." He'll be <laughs> wa- walking through, running through, trying to uh, get interviews with people. He's got his. He's gonna have his. Uh, he's gonna have his uh, notes because you have to like say what time guys are coming on and who's coming on. So he'll be making notes. Jared. Jared makes schedules. I don't believe it. He's just keep, he's I trying think to that's keep his it, job. He's just trying to keep it all in his head, and then that's why it blows up in his face. I think that's gonna be his job. I saw him last year at the Super Bowl, and he was working. Man, he was working it. Had the had the uh, clipboard, the times of interviews, had everyone down. Yeah, he was working. He's just good at looking busy. Boy, you, the confidence you have in the producer. <laughs> the first bite. Who had more fun this weekend, Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers? Oh, Aaron Rodgers winning the Pro-Am. How, how about that? Getting his name up on the uh, wall there at, the, at Pebble? I mean, come on, Derek Carr's throwing interceptions in the flag football game. <laughs> He's checking down, missing receivers. I think the guy who won the pro-am at the Pebble at Pebble Beach had more fun. Who had more fun with the media? Well, I think probably Carr because Aaron Rodgers. Although I saw one, I did see one interview with Aaron Rodgers where he said they she asked him, "Do you have any favorite colors or teams?" And he said, "Well, I'll tell you what, the Raider fans yeah. were the most." Uh, were the most excited here. So he kind of had fun with that. He also had fun with the fans. Did you see the one where he's walking to the, probably the first hole and people are going Raiders and he started smiling and yep. laughing. Uh-huh. Uh, so he seemed to have a good time. So did Devontae Adams, because I think that's the real answer to this question as to who had the most fun. I think it's Devontae Adams who's having the most fun right now. And he's not usually a fun guy. Eh, he's shoving photographers. He's pretty and stuff serious. Like that. Yeah. yeah. But I here the funny part about Devontae Adams is um, this tweet that Vinny Bonsignore sent out. Devontae Adams said 1 million percent he would advocate uh, the Raiders to bring in Aaron Rodgers. Said playing with him again would be a dream scenario. One year ago, Devontae Adams forced a trade away for his dream scenario from Aaron Rodgers to come play with his best with his friend best from buddy. college. Yeah. Which was a dream then for him, a too. Dream. He's got a lot of dreams. <laughs> In one Big dreamer, in one dreamer. year, yeah. he has already said, "Ah, it's Derek Carr guy. That wasn't the real dream. Yeah. Please give me back to Aaron Rodgers." And the the funniest part of all of it is Devontae Adams when he forced his way out of Green Bay. He said here in one of his first press conferences that a big reason why he wanted out was because of the uncertainty around Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. that he didn't know. How long Aaron Rodgers was going to be was playing going to football. play in Green Bay or f- football for that matter? Yeah. And a year later, he's like, you know what? It wasn't so bad with that guy. Yeah. Can we get him back? <laughs> he had fun with the media. He was. Uh, I also liked that he said, "Don't take the Twitter seriously." 
Of course not. I mean, the the dropping of you know his house and where Aaron Rodgers is going to live and buy mine and everything. He said they'll take that seriously. Although, but we're going to. We are hundred percent. Maybe going maybe to. we should. Yeah, hundred percent going to. He also did the Aaron Rodgers championship belt celebration in the end zone during the flag football game. So he is absolutely playing it up quite yeah. a bit. And Rodgers is joining in a little bit. If they were in the same place at the same time then they'd really be playing it up. I think Rodgers is very much into it because he also told an onlooker at the golf tournament to tell Adams to buy him a house so he could come to Vegas with his new contract. Yeah. And all of this is going to lead to Aaron Rodgers starting week one for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere. Oh, we've been on the same page on that. I think he's staying with the Packers as well. Yeah. I don't think anything's changing on that. No. And here's the thing about that. If... And I know we're going to get into this a little here, but I'll jump ahead. Uh, the the quote to Sean Reed about we're not from Dave Ziegler, we're not one or two players away for fifteen to twenty million dollars because he's you know the process, the process. I'm tired of hearing about the process. What would tr- what would trading for Aaron Rodgers do for the process? Blow it up. If you that's tra- what I'm saying, yeah. That's, if you the, trade yeah. for Aaron Rodgers, you're saying our roster is pretty close to competing, right? And we're all in in twenty twenty. We're going to pay this guy a fortune to be all in, right? Because to, to get Rodgers, you're going to have to give up assets to get him. Absolutely. Good assets. This is not a, ah, we'll get him on the cheap for a third-round pick. You might be giving up two first-round picks, and you might be giving up the seventh overall pick in this draft, which is you don't want to give up a top-ten pick. And then you're also paying the guy. Now, his cap hit in year one wouldn't be that big because a lot of it would still go to Green Bay after they trade him. But you're giving up both money and picks to get Devontae Adams and maybe like Darren Waller because that was the Packers apparently were interested in Waller when they traded for Rodgers or excuse me, when they traded for Devontae Adams. So you're giving up a lot. So you're basically saying, oh, we're we're pretty good everywhere. Right. And Rodgers is going to put us over the top. And they're not pretty good everywhere. They went six and 11. And that the quote that Deshaun Reed had about not being one or two, you know, $20 million players away not wanting to spend all your assets in one spot. That story, there was the other quote from from Dave Ziegler talking about this roster having a lot of holes. This roster having, I mean, he was honest about, we got a lot of places we need to fix. We got a lot of problems with the roster. If Dave Ziegler has his way, Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback of this team. Right. Unless it's somehow extremely cheap, which is very, very unlikely. Rodgers is not going to be the quarterback. But I phrase it that way if Dave Ziegler has his way because I guess there is the outside possibility that Mark Davis or Josh McDaniels says, I really, really want Rodgers and forces that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if, I think if the Packers do trade him, the owner might be able to force something. I don't know if McDaniels would force Ziegler to do that. I mean, yeah. he might say, I'd like to have him, but I think Ziegler could convince him about how many holes they have elsewhere. Now, Davis might be another issue. If he, you know, he wanted Tom Brady. Right. And now here comes another Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers. They got rid of him. They're going to trade another Hall of Famer. <laughs> or they're just going to they cut a Hall of Famer. Or they're just going to cut a Hall of Famer. They might cut a Hall of Famer. Which, you know, how many times you cut a Hall of Famer? Well, Peyton Manning got cut. So um, I think that the part for the ownership side with Mark Davis is if Rodgers does actually become available, because that's the thing. He hasn't. He hasn't come out and said, I want out of Green Bay. The no. Packers haven't come out and said, we want to trade him. That's still to be determined, and I don't believe it actually happens. But if, for whatever reason, 
Rodgers and the Packers both said, all right, we're moving on, and he's available. I guess Mark Davis could push for it, but it just doesn't seem to be what the general manager wants to do, so I don't think they're going to do that, even if Rodgers does become available. Has, do you think Derek Carr has talked to another team yet? I think the Raiders have talked to other teams, and maybe the Raiders have perhaps floated another team to Derek Carr. Because we got some, I don't know if it was truly conflicting, but Adam Schefter tweeted out that Derek Carr has permission to talk to teams that have agreed to compensation with the Raiders with the to Raiders. trade for Derek Carr which kind of sounded like he was implying teams have agreed to compensation, but he didn't actually say outright teams have agreed to compensation for Derek Carr. So I think it was a strangely worded tweet that ultimately meant nothing because I did. Do you think anybody's agreed to compensation for Derek Carr? Like if the Raiders agree? No, I think there's been discussions though. about Hey, what would you, to the Raiders, you know, uh, uh, or excuse me, to the opponent, who would you give up for him? Yeah. What would you give up for him? What do you think the Raiders are asking teams right now? I think you're asking for a first. So with a deadline right? nine nine days away, there's a deadline to where you either have to cut Derek Carr or you keep him on the roster and guarantee $40 million over the next two years. I would assume you are asking for a first-round pick. I would also assume any team that's talking to the Raiders right now before that deadline is scoffing at the idea right. of giving up a first round right. pick, and they're saying he'll be a free agent in nine. Yeah, days. why don't you cut him? Yeah, so I'm not going to send you a first. So i I am curious there if if any teams I don't know how active are any teams in trying to get Derek Carr? Yeah, because for the most part, you could sit back and say, "Well, he's going to be a free agent in nine days, and then we can try to sign him," or you could say. Well, he's going to be a free agent in nine days, and anybody will have the chance to sign him, or we could try to trade for him now. right now. Carr has a no-trade clause. He still has to agree to the team and all that, but there is some reasoning for a team to engage the Raiders right now, but it doesn't appear as though anybody's actually going to give up a first-round pick right now for Derek Carr because of that deadline. of. I don't know uh, if I'd give up a first pick right now either with nine days left. I wouldn't. I mean... To be honest, if I was running a team, I would not want Derek Carr on my team because he is that in quarterback purgatory, right? He's in that Kirk Cousins range of, well, he, the quarterback's good. We know he's good, but he's not great. And he's going to get $30, $40 million a year. It's really hard to win with the quarterback that's good and getting that much money. Mm-hmm. So I personally wouldn't want him, but we see time after time NFL teams are just desperate for, oh, he's the 12th best quarterback. Yes, we want him. Even though it completely hinders our ability to win a championship for as long as he's on our roster, we want him. So I wouldn't want him at all, but there's going to be teams that want him. Sure. And how many of those teams does Carr also want to play for is part of the problem for the Raiders. Uh, Yeah, I don't. I was thinking about this on the way in. I don't think he'll reject it for the sake of rejecting it just because it's the Raiders. I do think he'll do what he thinks is best for his family. Like I, I, I do. I mean, and he said last week he wants to win championships. He wants to go to a winner. Um, a, a good team, for example, Carolina. What would you think about Carolina? Could win the division. I don't know if you think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I don't know how many of these teams are real Super none Bowl of contenders. They're if, really none if of they them were, they had a quarterback. Yeah, they're yeah. playoff contenders. Yeah. You know, maybe with him. Right. Um, 
so I do think he'll do what's best for his family. He, I, I think that's so. I don't think he's going to reject it out of the hand of rejecting and just to tell the Raiders, no, I'm just not going to do it because of what you did to me. Like, I don't think he's going to do that. See, that's that's interesting to me because I've kind of had that thought that would he just, out of spite, reject everything? Like, if to use, if he was perfectly fine with Carolina, right? It was like, yep, I don't have a problem living there. We, I think we can win the division, whatever. He's just like, yeah, the Panthers make sense. And the Raiders say, all right, they offered us a second. We accepted it. Here you go. Sign whatever you got to sign right. to waive your no trade clause. Would he reject it out of spite? It would be funny if he did, but I think you're probably right. I if don't think they, he would. I think he's going to go with his family. Yeah. If they came to him and it was someplace he was perfectly fine with Living. going and he talked with that team and maybe he want, he might want a new contract, right? The team might say, hey, we're going to rip up this one and sign you to a new right. deal. And he was like, all sounds great. I think he would accept it too. Now, are we going to get all of that work done in nine days? Yeah, unless unless they're further along than we know. Right, which there's been no reporting that they are very right. far along with any team. So maybe, I mean, nine days is still a long time. You can get a lot done, but it doesn't appear as though we're heading that direction. All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, UNLV somehow lost to Fresno State again. Ball comes into Gilbert, and Keyshawn will hustle it into the front court. Keyshawn down the right side. Keyshawn all the way under. Gets fouled and lays it in. Foul on Andre is his fifth, and Keyshawn will make it a one-point game with 23.7 to go. Keyshawn Gilbert flying down the court. Lob to David Mooka for the slam dunk. Under a minute to go. Rebels lead 41-35. to You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. UNLV lost to Fresno State 82-79. to uh, Fresno State has eight wins this season. Two of them are against UNLV. Um, we were wrong about this one. I thought it was going to be a blowout. Um, I, I thought I, I put out there that they they were laying 10. Fresno wow. State is the worst offensive team in the Mountain West. And their two best offensive games of the season have been against UNLV. 1.26 and 1.25 points per possession. For some context, 1.21 is the best offensive team in the country. This year. So Fresno State's offense in two games against UNLV has performed better than the best offensive team in college basketball. To make it even worse, just one point per possession, which is about average across college basketball. Fresno State's only topped one point per possession eight times in 22 games. They're terrible on offense, and they have torched UNLV two different times. And they're missing one of their better players. Right. Uh, They didn't have probably their best three-point shooter. One of their, like, they're not a good three-point shooting team. No. They only have, like, two guys that can make threes, uh, and one of them didn't play, and yet they still went 9 of 17 from three-point range against UNLV. Yeah, this is by far the worst loss. Yeah, at home. Because on the road to Fresno, Fresno's really bad, but things happen on the road in the Mountain West. You see that all the time on the road, but this is, uh, they've lost seven now. Four and seven? Yes, yeah, four and seven by in the Mountain West. By far the worst loss yeah. in the Mountain West. Well, they are, they're not by far the worst loss. Yeah, they're now tied with... Fresno State in the Mountain West standings, a team that's horrendous. They're tied with them and they lose the tiebreaker to them too, because they lost both home games or both games to them. Um, But here's the interesting part to me, David Mawaka. We've talked about this for a couple of weeks now. Kevin Kruger has benched David Mawaka, who was his starting center for the majority of the season. 
David Milwaukee against Fresno State played 11 minutes. He had five points, four rebounds, two assists, and two blocks. The other two centers, Victory Waco and Keyshawn Hall, they combined to play 29 minutes the rest of the game. Combined, those two had 5.7 rebounds, two assists, and two blocks. Victory Waco did have four steals. That's the one category where he was actually much better. But the more damning thing here is that when Milwaukee was on the floor, UNLV outscored Fresno State by seven. When Milwaukee was off the floor, UNLV got outscored by 10. And then Mike Gramala, uh, he keeps track of all the lineups that Kevin Kruger uses and how good they are. The two most used lineups in conference play this year. The first one is Keyshawn Gilbert, Justin Webster, EJ Harkless, Luis Rodriguez, and Victory Waco. The second most used lineup is those same four guys, but mm-hmm. sub out Iwako for Put David Milwaukee. The one with Iwako is minus 19 per 40 minutes, meaning UNLV gets outscored by 19 points for every 40 minutes that five is on the floor. The one with Milwaukee is plus 19. We're talking about a swing of 38 points over the course of 40 minutes by switching out one player. And Kevin Kruger is playing the wrong guy all of the time, and I do not understand why. I mean, maybe there's something, well, there's probably something we don't know. And that's... Um, I, I, I don't know. I, you don't have an answer to your question because he's essentially benched the kid. Right. And... There might be something behind the scenes. I don't know. I'm not even going to guess. The The weird part about that is you normally you would assume, hey, clearly David Milwaukee is better than Iwako, but Iwako is playing over Milwaukee. So something's wrong. You would be like, oh, uh, there's something happening off the court, right? right. Milwaukee's sure. in trouble for something, but he's still playing. It's mm-hmm. not a situation where he's been like suspended, right? It's not a, hey, uh, he was he missed a class or missed a meeting and we're suspending him for a game or five or whatever that number is. He's still playing in every game. It's just uh, three. It's it's when the other guy's getting foul trouble is when he comes in the game. So it I don't to me it's like it can't be that he broke some off court rule right because if that was the case he wouldn't be playing at all. So it's very weird. And then maybe even weirder than this, Kevin Kruger after the game got asked, and you'll hear, you'll hear the question and the answer here, got asked about David Milwaukee's playing time. It seemed like David gave you guys something uh, at the end of that first half. Was there any thoughts to bringing him in earlier in the second half, or um, what do you think of yeah. the performance? I mean, yeah. His answer was, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's Kevin Kruger getting asked about David Milwaukee's playing time and gave a forward answer of, yeah, I mean, yeah, the shortest answer by far he gave at the press conference. That's not even a real answer, and I don't know what to do with that. What does yeah, I mean, yeah, mean when asked about does David Milwaukee need, you know, earning more playing time? That he forgot about the kid? <laughs> or his assistants aren't helping him out? I want to know what his assistants are doing as well. Are they are they reminding him? Are they saying, hey, you know, he's playing pretty well, or hey, this is what we got out of him, this is what we're getting out of the other two? I don't know. I mean, that... that that's the job of the assistants also to keep track of those things. I think this is a Kevin Kruger decision. I think this is Kruger's... Well, I mean, ultimately, it's his decision. Right. I think he knows all of this. If he doesn't know all of this, they don't have a college basketball. They don't have a coaching staff worthy of college basketball. If Mike Gramala is out here tracking this and they don't know it, that's not good enough. So they have to know all of this. This, to me, there, there's something that Kevin Kruger doesn't want to talk about. As you heard in that answer, he, he, that's the shortest answer he gave in a press conference. There's something that Kevin Kruger doesn't want to talk about with David Mwaka, and that's why Mwaka's not playing. 
And I don't know what it is because to go back to trying to figure out why it doesn't feel like an off court issue because Milwaukee is still playing in games, right? But if it were an on court issue, if he just wanted David Milwaukee to do be one, better at something, right? If there was one area that he was like, we need him to do this better or right. whatever. Kruger would probably say that, right? Mm, I'm not so sure he gives up much. I, I don't know. Well, in other situations he has right. in terms of why a kid was, whether a kid was hurt or something happened to yeah. him or something was going on with him. If it was like, hey, we need him. If it's, if it, I mean, he might Even not if it's in, like, hey, we need him to do this one skill better. Right. And it might not be like super specific, some sort of strategic thing. But even if it was just, yeah, we need him to be more aggressive on the offensive end or we need him to shoot more, whatever. I, I feel like he would say something. He would say he would have a better answer than, yeah, I mean, yeah. If it was something that they wanted to see him do on the floor. So I I don't know what any of it means. I have no idea. But he's playing the wrong center. The absolutely playing the wrong guy at center for the majority of these games. And UNLV's best chance to win games right now is if Victory Waco and Keyshawn Hall get into foul trouble in every game. That's their best chance to win games. That's the only that's the only time they outscored them was when those two were on the bench because they were in foul trouble against Fresno State. I mean, that is a staggering number when they're plus 19 with him and minus 19 without him. Yeah. It's 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 not like it's close, right? It's not like, oh, they're plus, plus five two and, and minus, minus five. three or minus five. Then you'd be like, okay, that's you know, maybe right. it's not a big enough sample size and maybe whatever. But plus 19 and minus 19. I mean, again, we're talking about 38 points over the course of a game. That's a ridiculous number. And I made this comparison before. It reminds me so much of Marcus Arroyo mishandling his quarterbacks. For two years, we were like, well, he's playing the wrong guy. What, how was Doug Brumfield not the starter out of camp? Quarterback like, out of camp. The whole thing was like, what's he doing with his quarterbacks? Right. That's what this feels like. Is What is Kevin Kruger doing with his center position and what's going on that we don't know about? Because there has to be something. Has to be. And until we find out, it's just going to look like bad coaching because there's very, very clearly the right center to play, and it's David Mwaka, and he's the one getting the fewest minutes on a game-by-game basis. So I don't know what you do after this. I don't know if we ever find out what happened here, but David Mwaka. We might not, yeah. And at this point, David Mwaka is probably transferring at the end of the year. Does he have another year of eligibility? I'll have to look that up. Like, his, the coach who brought him here was Brandon Chappelle, who left in the offseason, right. like all their assistant coaches did. So the coach who brought him to UNLV is not here. And then he gets dumped out of the starting lineup and barely gets to play now. If he does have another year of eligibility, he's gone after this year. That's probably the easiest transfer prediction you can make at this point, is that David Milwaukee is well, not his number, if his minutes continue to be this yeah. way. I mean, if I was him, even if Kevin Kruger started starting me again, I'd probably still transfer. I'd be like, you just benched me for no reason in the middle of the year. If there's, unless there's a reason. Right, right. So it's a fascinating situation where Kruger is making the wrong decision. According to an article written by Grimala in July of 21, Milwaukee came in with three years. So two He'd years later, more. he'll have one yeah, more okay. left. So he basically has the extra COVID year left right. is, is what David Milwaukee has. So, I assume he's going to transfer because why would he stick around when he is better than the guys that are actually playing above him? All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Sam Gordon joins the show. Two tight ends in and a fullback. Snap, handoff, Jacobs trying the middle. He walks in. Touchdown Raiders, Josh Jacobs with his 12th rushing touchdown of the season. 
And the Raiders are an extra point away from tying this game with 1-11 on the clock. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Sam Gordon. Good morning, Sam. Hey, Sammy. All right, now we got Sam. Can you hear us, Sam? Yep, I got you. All right, all right. We can hear you now. That's good. So, uh, you got to watch the new and maybe improved Pro Bowl. Josh Jacobs wasn't a fan of it before it started. Is it as bad as Josh Jacobs said it was, or did you enjoy the Pro Bowl games? Um, <laughs> well, Tyler, I think the fans and the players enjoyed the Pro Bowl games. They were a little long. Uh, for my taste, I do think the flag football portion got to be a competitive there towards the end, uh, and that was, I think, the highlight of the uh, of the, the revamp Pro Bowl games. But the the skills competitions or the mini games, however you want to call them, I think they kind of disrupted the flow and really made for what I felt was like a long afternoon. You know, I know normal football games tend to be three hours, three hours and fifteen minutes, but that's how long the Pro Bowl the Pro Bowl games were just as long. So. I felt like for me they dragged on a little bit, but it did seem like the players had a bit more fun, you know, knowing that it was more of a relaxed environment, and certainly the fans did too. I mean, this is—it's about the fans. Uh, the Pro Bowl allows fans at a more affordable price point to maybe access the NFL or have proximity to the NFL and their favorite players that they might not have or might not be be allowed to have during the regular season. So in that sense. I thought it was, you know, a little bit more of a hit than it was last year. And I'm just glad we're not pretending to, to play a real football game anymore. I think that got, obviously, last year got pretty tired and necessitated a lot of these changes. So, for me, was it, was it an upgrade? Maybe a little bit, but, but I think overall for the fans and the players, uh, it was an upgraded experience, and that, that's what it's all about. Do you think they stay with this, given what you just said? Yeah, I think so. Uh, maybe maybe a couple tweaks, maybe maybe ways to refine it a, a little bit. I think the players, you know, I think we're a little we're, we're vocal out, you know, afterwards that the kind of breaking it up for the skills competitions was a little weird. Uh, I think we heard that from both Devontae Adams and, and Josh Jacobs kind of alliterated to that as well uh, post game in the locker room. But uh, it's it's you know far less risk of injury. Although somebody tried telling that to Miles Garrett, but far less risk of injury, just a lot more low key, uh, just more relaxed vibes and you really got to see um, I think the players enjoy themselves. And I think for the fans that, that had to be kind of an appeal to it. As you see, you got to see some of the personality of these players come out a little bit more in ways that maybe a, you know, quote unquote tackle football game wouldn't allow for. How realistic is Aaron Rodgers to the Packers this off season? Uh, I definitely think there's, I definitely think it's realistic, Tyler. I definitely think it's realistic. We know about the relationship with Devontae Adams, uh, and Aaron Rodgers, and just what other what other suitors? I mean, clearly the Raiders are in a, a win. You know, this is a win now. Uh, there's there's two ways to go about this, right? You have win now guys like Devontae Adams on the roster, and Aaron Rodgers. When it comes to the upside that he would present, right? Uh, in theory, uh, given the struggles that he had last season, missing the playoffs in an NFC North division that featured the Bears, who have the number one pick, and the two worst defenses in the league. Uh, you'd be banking on him getting back to that Pro Bowl kind of MVP caliber level uh, in his age 40 season. Is it feasible? I don't know. We'll have to see about that. But in theory, he presents the most upside, and, and the Raiders can certainly make it from work from a salary cap standpoint. Now, now, Liquid, they would have to pay him you know, $60 million this year regardless. Does Mark Davis want to do that? I'm not sure, and I do think there's going to be competition uh, you know, in the New York Jets, uh, a team that might cover his services as well. So there's going to have, have to be draft competition uh, going that way, but uh, going that way uh, as well, and that's going to be costly given given the, the upgrades that this team needs. But overall, 
Um, the Raiders have a full complement of draft picks. They can make it work from a salary standpoint. And you heard you heard Devonta Adams yesterday. He wants Aaron Rodgers here. Uh, certainly would be the, the the sexiest kind of win now move and and create some upside. And the Raiders clearly have a need at that position. So yeah, I think it's extremely realistic. And and I think um, you know as the the league year ends here with the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday and things really start to unfold, um, we're going to see some changes. And I think that that definitely is realistic and could be one of them. You know, uh, Sam. Uh... Despite what Devontae Adams said, all we've heard from Dave Ziegler is process, process, process. Uh, he told Sean Reed of The Athletic that we're not one or two players away from giving someone 15 to $20 million a year. This would seem to fly in the face of that. So if there are a ton of holes, like Ziegler said, on this team, well, I agree with you, right? Rodgers is a possibility. Would it be the smartest move if we believe that what Dave Ziegler, Ziegler said is true? Well, I, no, I, I don't personally, Ed, I don't think so. I mean, let, let's take a look. Just take a look at Devontae. Like, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers had a better situation in Green Bay in an easier division with one of the best home field advantage situations in the NFL, right? And didn't, I mean, they didn't get it done in their time here, the time there. So now you would be bringing Aaron Rodgers with a, to a far, you know, a worse roster, you know, at a stage of his career where his play, like, there's no denying it. It declined last season. There was a decline in this play. We saw that. So you'd be bringing him over to a better division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and now Sean Payton and whatever he does um, with, with, uh, with Denver, right? You'd be bringing him over to a, a harder division with a worse roster. So that being said, um, I, I, don't, I get it. I understand it's Aaron Rodgers. And if he does have MVP caliber play in him, and, you know, we're not going to know that until the season starts, right? Um, there's, there's some upside there. and Maybe, you know, that compensates. He can make up for some of the holes on this roster. But like you said, Ed, this has been a process-oriented thing. That's what they've been preaching, and you're not going to fix that defense uh, if you have to give Aaron Rodgers $60 million in cash liquid, as our colleague Vinny Bonsignor you know, has mentioned, you know, multiple occasions, including on our podcast, Last week, uh, there, the, the, the cap thing isn't an issue, but every owner has a budget, and $60 million is $60 million. What is Mark Davis's budget for this year's team? Are you still going to be able to aggressively fix uh, the defense? And, and, again, draft compensation as well. So, no, I don't, I don't think it's the best move. It certainly would, again, be super aggressive. It would be sexy and maybe present the most upside. But, but again, that, that combination didn't win the Super Bowl with, with much easier circumstances in the NFC North, like bringing him over to the AFC West. It might might raise your ceiling, but there's far it, there's no guarantee, and it could set the franchise back a few years if it doesn't work. Given what you have to give up to get him, does Derek Carr get traded in the next nine days? Oh, geez, it certainly doesn't seem like uh, there's a there's a, a robust trade market for him, right? Based on what we've seen so far, and and given kind of the standstill him and the Raiders are at, where he, it, it doesn't seem like he can talk to teams until compensation has been agreed upon, until there's a, a trade actually. Um, in place, so it doesn't look like a trade's going to happen. I think the far more likely outcome, uh, certainly not ruling out a trade. I mean, I think they're still moving parts of some of these coaching situations. You know, as some of these staffs get finalized, and, and as some as 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 other teams handle their business in terms of figuring out what they have, but it, it seems far more likely that he's going to pick his destination as a free agent. And again, there's going to be several suitors, several quarterback needy teams, and, and he is one of the better quarterbacks. Um, available certainly after Rodgers and then, and, and, you know, on the, on par or on the same level as a guy like a Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Josh uh, Jacobs made it uh, clear. He does not want to be franchise tagged. I always thought that's what they would do. Let's say if it comes down that way, would Josh Jacobs hold out? 
Oh, wow. Um, I mean, he's, he's been pretty adamant and pretty firm in his position, and, and he understands. I mean, this is a short – you know, he's running backs have short windows, short careers. Free agency isn't something that players are, are able to hit for, you know, very often, and, and it seems like he's going to do everything he can to fight against it. And, there's again, there's been precedent for this before, right? Le'Veon Bell, Steelers franchise tagged him. He sat out the season, ended up going and getting the back from the New York Jets. Now, his play was never the same. He was never quite the player he was in Pittsburgh. Uh, but from a financial standpoint, I mean, he got rewarded for sitting out and, and ignoring the franchise tag. So I certainly think that would be in play. And, and I also want to write off um, maybe a short-term contract, a two- or three-year deal where Josh Jacobs isn't playing on the franchise tag, but he's still getting, you know, uh, what he deserves financially. He did just win the rushing title. He is only 24 years old and has been durable throughout the course of his career. Uh, it hasn't been perfect track record in terms of health, but health, but relative to his workload and the position he plays, um, he's durable. He showed improvement. He's, he's showed a, a, a commitment to this franchise. And uh, I think it would make sense to do something even beyond the franchise tag if that opportunity presented itself. But if he's franchised, I mean, he made it very, very clear. He doesn't want to play for that. I think his, his term, the term that he used when asked about it was hero turned villain. And uh, that could make, make for a dicey situation for the Raiders. And I think something that they don't want to get into given the other holes that they have on the roster and how they have to address the quarterback situation. Before we let you go, Sam, would you have traded for Kyrie Irving? Oh, if I was the Mavericks, yeah. I, I understand the move from their standpoint, right? We know the risk that comes with Kyrie. His track record speaks for itself uh, in terms of the effect that he's had on franchises and also his play. But Dallas, based on their cap situation and where they were at, did not have a ton of opportunity to make an upgrade and, and bring somebody in, a viable sidekick, to Luka Doncic, this is an opportunity to kind of, you know, quote-unquote rent him, see how it works these next couple months and in the potential playoff run. And worst-case scenario, you did give up a premium draft pick and quality players uh, in Dorian Finney-Smith and, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, but with that being said, uh, those guys were under contract beyond the season. Kyrie expires, and worst-case scenario is you basically traded for an expiring contract and can open up some cap space to retool in a way that they wouldn't have been able to had it not been for this trade. So it's definitely high risk. I think it maybe lowers your floor a little bit because what you gave up in terms of one of the best 3 and D guys in the league. But Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. We've seen what he's done on the playoff stage. Granted, it's been a while since he's had that kind of success. And this was a Dallas team that clearly uh, I don't think had enough to win the, win, the, win the finals. I don't know if they do now, but it raises their ceiling and gives them a chance. So completely get it from their standpoint and also understand why other teams uh, elected to stand pat, maybe peruse other options. So it makes sense for both teams. And uh, Brooklyn did all right in this situation. They had draft value and they had two, two guys that can plug and play right away. Well, he is Sam Gordon from the review journal, Sam. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Sam. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Happy Monday. Talk soon. See you. So there's Sam Gordon from the RJ on the Raiders pro bowl and a little bit of Kyrie Irving, which we will get into later in the show, but coming up next, we got a little bit of golden Knights to talk about. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Coming up later in the show, we're going to have some Golden Knights tickets to give away. Also, tickets to go see Jimmy Buffett. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Um, Ed, did you watch any of the NHL All-Star Weekend? If I am honest, I saw a total of one minute. I oh. saw someone on a skills contest hit a, I think it was a puck, onto the green. I think that's what it was. They're Wait, they were on hitting the pucks onto they're, golf yeah, courses? Yeah. Yeah, they were, using, the they were using hockey sticks and kind of, hockey gloves and shooting pucks on a par three onto like yeah. a little island green at one of the courses. Yeah. Closest to the whole winds? Uh, that, I don't know the rules. Okay. I'm Maybe. assuming nobody put it in the hole then. No. 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 no they got it on the green. Fit in a golf hole? Yeah. 
It would? Okay. Yeah, maybe more it. maybe more like two minutes. I switched it over and said, I think, the Metro against the Atlantic. Um, and then that was that. Okay. <laughs> I was not overly interested. Did you watch it? I didn't watch any of it. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I told you I was going to watch a movie this weekend. I had made plans to watch a movie. Did you follow through? Yes. I watched the Knives Out movie. It's okay. a good movie. It's a good movie. Yes. You should see the second one. I, I watched the second one. I didn't realize there was a first one until after I watched the second one. And now I'm going to go watch the first one at some point in the near future. I'm going to watch two movies. It's a good weekend of no Tyler. sports. It is. Oh, I know. Every, anytime we ever ask him, who's this actor? Well, I don't know. Yeah. No, oh, I don't Tyler. know who any of the actors were in this. You didn't know Daniel Craig, James Bond? James Bond? I've never seen or a James the, Bond movie. The guy that played Captain America? I forget. Oh, Chris Evans. Uh, Wait, did you see Knives Out or Glass Onion? Glass Onion. Oh, okay. The second one that I've learned. There's you two didn't... Knives Out movies, apparently. And yeah. I watched this. The one that's on Netflix right now. <laughs> well, I think Knives Out is the name of the first one, and then the second one's Glass Onion. Glass Onion colon Knives Out. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know who, who played Captain America. Chris Evans. He's in the first one. He's not in the ah, second one. Okay. I was going to say, I think I know who that guy looks like, but... I don't remember. But the second one had uh, quite a few big stars as well. Yeah. I don't it know. It doesn't appear are. that he knows any of them. No. no I doesn't. mean, a couple of them I recognize, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a famous person I've seen before, but I don't actually know who they are. <laughs> like Dave Batista. Uh, he's the big guy. Oh, yeah. He was. Uh, Is he a wrestler? He's a professional wrestler, but he also played, um, played one of the guys in. Guardians of the Galaxy. I haven't seen that movie. I don't know which one he plays. I just know he's in it. Yeah, I haven't seen that. It's a good movie. Go watch it. It was a good movie. Whether you know the people or not, I thought it was great. Um, Is it a drama? No, it's a murder mystery like uh, type show. Okay. so Yeah, there's a detective trying to solve a murder. Solve a murder. Daniel Craig plays like the the best detective in the world. Like he gets hired to solve the hardest crimes. Which, by the way, is that a real thing? Yes. What? That there's a best detective in the world? Probably. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes was the best detective in England. Because the other movie the other movie similar to this that I've seen was um Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Which is I can't remember the detective's name, but it's the same concept. It's like, oh, there's a detective and there's a group of people and somebody's murdered and he solves the the case. But both both movies are like, oh, there's just this world famous, he's obviously the best detective in the world. And we need him to solve our... That's not a thing. If there was some complex we murder... Would, if there was in, if there was a best detective in the world, we would have heard about him. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like this concept of there being this like, oh, he's just the smartest detective. He yeah, solves... Yeah, we, we'd know that. That's not a real thing. Like, there are... I'm sure there is a, you know, technically best detective in the world, but it's a random person who works for, like, the FBI or some <laughs> other country's equivalent of it. They're just a guy in a suit that goes to an office job and then solves a crime. <laughs> solves a bunch of crimes. Have you ever seen the the movie Clue? No. Oh, you should watch is it. Is that based on the board game? It, the board game is based on the movie, I believe. It's from the 70s. Oh. No. It's fantastic. Colonel Mustard with the rope there, well, in a room. So the way that they do it, there's actually like six different endings. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's actually a really good movie. Uh, I forget who... I'm blanking on his name, but the the main the butler guy is a really big British dude. There's six different endings, and you just don't know which one was true, right? 
And you have to guess? No, they never tell you. It's up for your interpretation. At least I don't I don't remember if they tell you. I can't remember. But it's a really good movie. You should watch it. <laughs> All right. Now, the more important Golden Knights news of the weekend was Ben Goetz's story in the review. Great Journal story. About Will Carrier. And I love this so much because he is a I guess just the Golden Knights repairman. Yes. He fixed Nick Haig's dishwasher. Um, he's, he's fixed other appliances. He's like laid tile for people in their shower. One of my favorite parts of the story though, was Jonathan Marcheseau being a little bit upset because he apparently knew about Will Carrier's ability to fix everything before everybody else. And he didn't want everybody else to find out about it. So that <laughs> he only wanted to he, hire, only, he wanted to keep Will Carrier's skills a secret. Only he could use Will Carrier's skills, but that is, listen, as much as this team or the players want to win hockey games, I think I'm perfectly fine with having a player on the team whose sole job is to come fix everybody's dishwasher. Yes. Who was just, yep, I'll come over and do that. And the good news is Will Carey is actually having a good season. Like he's actually valuable to the hockey team. But as a player, I'd want this guy on my team every you year. Know, we missed the boat here because had this story run earlier and it was a terrific story, we could have gotten Will Carrier to go over to David Ross' apartment. I mean, his you act like his dishwasher's fixed now. Get him on a plane. Whose dishwasher's fixed? It's not. I'm saying it's not. Fixed. No, it's not fixed. Carrier because, can still go they, fix but it. But they just played in New York. Oh, oh, they just I played see. there. Yes. He could have just gone over to the house if you yeah, know someone they were there told for me. four I days. Good five point. Days. Yeah, they had multiple days off. Yeah. Oh, what we else did, is he doing in New York? We did blow it. Gosh, we should have told Ben to tell Carrier, hey, the good guy over here. Needs a little help with the dishwasher. It would have been running within like 10 minutes. All right. So end of the season, Will Carrier is going to be booked for a flight to New York to go fix a dishwasher and maybe an oven because David yes, Ross' oven yes. is in his dining room at the moment. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> if be awesome. you didn't have a dishwasher for a year, would you go into the locker room and ask Will Carrier to come fix yours? Oh, why not? You'd say no. <laughs>